0: Good evening, everybody. How's it going? Good, good, good to see you here tonight. As many of you are probably very well aware, we have a, uh, 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 some good news to share with you uh, this weekend. So if you'll come back tomorrow, um, we'll tell you. Oh, did you think I was going to talk about it tonight? Oh, I'm, I'm kidding. As I will talk about it tonight. I'm just kidding. If you, like, have no idea what I'm talking about, you know, like, well, I didn't come to church last week, the snow, and I I, I made an announcement last week that tonight I'll be sharing some big news with you, some very, very big news, and I'm excited to do that. I'm talking about news that has to do with the future of our church, and I'm talking about news that not just meaning the immediate future of our church, but I'm talking about news that impacts the long-term future of our church as well. I mean, things... Decisions that will be made that will impact not just our kids, but our kids' kids, potentially our kids' kids' kids after that. Decisions that will have long-lasting impacts on the harvest, people coming to faith in Jesus Christ for years and years and years to come. But before I share this exciting news with you today, we do need to spend a few minutes with something else before I get to that. Now, if this is your first time with us, men, um, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Tonight, we're going to be talking about things that impact the future of our church, and I'm glad you're going to be here to hear about it, because if you're looking for a church, this might actually be something that will help you decide if this is where you want to be. But before I tell you what this exciting news is, I do want to spend uh, a few minutes with a very important word. And this word contains three letters, and when I tell you what it is, I think you would nod in agreement. This is a pretty important word, and that word is this, why. Why? Every decision, every course of action, first starts with the why. And common sense, I think we'd all agree, common sense would tell us that if we don't know the why, then we'll never know the what, or the how, or the when, or the who of any decision. So I want to spend just a few minutes here tonight, the beginning of our time together, talking about the why. Why do we do what we do? What is the purpose of all of this? Have you ever sat back and thought about it? Have you ever thought, like, what, why do we do what we do? What is the purpose of all of this? Why do we gather together weekend and week out, week after week, repetitively? Why do we do this? Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever wondered, why am I so committed to this? You know, why, why do I just keep, why, why is the purpose of all of this? How about this? Why do we preach? Why is the, the biblical message, the, the message of the Bible, why is that so important, to preach it and to preach it accurately? Why do we do that? Why do you tithe? Many of you give very. Whoa! May the Lord doesn't want me to talk about tithing. Um, <laughs> my notes just jumped right out at me. Uh, why do you tithe? Why do you? Why do you uh, spend? you know, your hard-earned money here at the church, why do you give it in the name of the Lord? Why do you do that week after week, year after year? What is the purpose of that? Why do you study God's Word? What is the purpose of that? Why do you study God's Word? Why do you serve others? Why, why, why? Have you ever just sat back and thought through as a Christian, and why do we do the things that we do? You know, in any any uh, conversation about the church, there's a number of whys that can be applied to many things that we do. There's a lot of reasons for why that's connected to the wonderful things that we do as a church. But I want to share with you tonight the most important why that there is, and the most important why is found in Matthew chapter 28. It comes from the very words. Of Jesus. This is just before he ascended into heaven. It's in verse 18. He says this to his disciples: All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Do you know this passage? Therefore, what? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This passage of the Bible has been famously called the Great Commission. That's what it's called. Jesus's words to his disciples, commissioning them to go out and make disciples. And I want you to know here at New Life, we look at the Great Commission as just that, a charge. It is not the Great Suggestion. It's the Great Commission The why behind everything that we do here at the church can be traced back to Jesus' own words when he said, make disciples. This is the singular mission of the church. It is the only thing. Is it the only thing that we do? No. But making disciples is the most important thing that we do. It's a great commission. Jesus' disciples, they took this commission, they took it to heart. And if you read on into the book of Acts, just a few days after Jesus said these words to them, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and these disciples, they went out into the streets of Jerusalem, and they started to preach the good news of Jesus. And how did people respond to this message? When they heard that they had crucified the Messiah, the Bible says they were cut to the heart and they cried out to the disciples. Do you remember what they said? What do we have to do? We've learned this now. We've been told that we killed the Messiah and we have sin on our hands. What do we have to do? And this is where Peter famously said in Acts chapter two, verse 38, he said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ For the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. If you keep reading, you learn that on that very day, 3,000 people believed in that message, 3,000 people repented of their sins and were baptized, and on that day, the church was officially launched. The rest of the book of Acts is is basically a description of all the things that the apostles did, these early disciples and these new converts to Christianity, all the things that they did to spread the good news of Jesus throughout the known world. It started in Jerusalem and then it spread out to Judea and Samaria and it began to spread out to the ends of the earth that they knew at the time. We know that gospel message went ahead and continued to spread into Asia and into Africa and into Greece and Italy and into Spain to the ends of that known world. And we know that that gospel message has crossed oceans and it has come to the United States. It has come all the way, believe it or not, to Bella Vista, Arkansas, the good news of Jesus. And that great commission continues this very day. Just a few weeks ago, um, uh, it happened on, I believe it was a Sunday morning, so if you were here Saturday night, you wouldn't have seen it, but just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Avery Singletary and her mom and dad, John and Leslie, being baptized into Christ. The great commission. And then uh, a few, uh, a week before that, we got to witness Tom Wolfe decide to follow Christ. And on that same morning, M.J. Stout decided to follow Jesus. It's because the Great Commission that continues on to this day. The Great Commission, that is the why behind all that we do. Making disciples is what feeds everything that we're about here as a church. So we come together like tonight and we worship the Lord and we bring our voices and we bring our instruments and our presence together with others. What is that? That is an outflow of a changed heart in such appreciation for what God has done. You become a disciple and you express that in worship together. Why do we study God's word? We study God's word to grow in our knowledge of him. It builds upon that decision to follow Jesus Christ. That following Jesus leads you to God's word. It brings out of you a more mature faith. Why do we study God's word? Because we're a disciple. We love each other, or at least we're supposed to. We love community with one another We love gathering together in many contexts because we've learned, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've learned how much you need other people. We do that as an outflow, as a response to a changed heart. We serve the needs of others because we've learned that oftentimes compassion opens the door for the good news. Our gatherings alone in and of themselves, can be powerful evangelistic opportunities for God to get a hold of somebody's heart and change their life. A complete and healthy church ministers to many needs within a church family and community. But what keeps us going weekend and week out, what keeps us going every day, that, Lord, I will follow you, what keeps us going every single day, it is the desire for more and more people to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. It's the why behind all that we do. I want to show you one more passage of Scripture. If you got your Bible and want to turn there, you can. But it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and following. This this Paul. He's teaching the church, and he says something very significant. It's very much tied into the Great Commission that Jesus said. He said, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Do you understand what he's saying? If you're a new creation, if if you've become a disciple, if you've received Christ, there's something that happens in that moment. Who you used to be and all the sins that followed you in that direction, that's the old you and the new has come. It's the epitome of like God cares more about where you're going than where you've been. You're a new creation, Paul is saying. And then he says, all of this is from God. It's not by our own making, but this is from God, who reconciled us to himself. What's that word reconciled mean? To be brought back together, to be in harmony. So God came back together with you, how? Through Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore, what? Christ ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sinned for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are to make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is someone who has been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Somebody who has come back into harmony, come back into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And once you are a disciple, and many of us in this room are just that, once you become a disciple, you are given a brand new ministry. Every single one of us shares this ministry. Paul calls it the ministry of reconciliation. Now, all of us serve, many of us serve in different areas. Well, I serve in this ministry, and I serve in this ministry, and I I do this, and I'm about what God is doing here, and that is wonderful. But every last one of us has a shared ministry, that when you become a disciple of Jesus, you are handed the ministry of reconciliation. That, that, That is your ministry now. And as a minister of the Lord in that way, you are, in the words of Paul, an ambassador. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador speaks for a king, speaks for a president, represents a country. says, you are now Christ ambassadors. You are now speaking for the Lord. And Paul says, it's as if the Lord God is speaking his testimony through you. So you become a disciple when you become reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you are handed a ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation. It's our job to make more disciples. And so we become Christ's ambassadors. And our message is be reconciled to God. Get right with God. God loves you. He wants to do life with you. However we say it, but this is the message of reconciliation. Our why as a church, is 100% grounded in making disciples, this ministry of reconciliation. I'll never forget, it was a Friday night, not quite five years ago. It was um, a July evening. It was here, right here at the church. We were down in the conference room, and um, I was in that room with the elders at the time, that would be Jerry Lamb, that would be uh, Kent McFarlane, Dave Brashinger, Larry Carlson, and Scott Falkenberg. And we were meeting back at the end of this hallway, and I wasn't the pastor here at that time. Um, they invited me to come down and spend a couple of days with them to enter into a series of discussions about what God was doing here in northwest Arkansas and the potential of uh, my wife and I leaving a 10-year-long ministry there in Kansas City to come here. And when we started that conversation, I can be really honest with you, I had no idea what God wanted from me. I had no idea why I was down here in northwest Arkansas, foreign land from where I'm from. I had no idea. But I can tell you that at the conclusion of that conversation on that Friday evening in July of 2014, and I went back to my hotel, I just had this real sense in my spirit that God was about to change the entire course of our lives. And the reason I felt that way is because that night the elders spent time sharing with me their convictions about the gospel and about evangelism. They spent a lot of time that night talking to me about their why. I'll summarize that conversation as passionately as they they told it to me. They said, Joe, we look at our community. and Many of the men I listed off had been in this community for a long time. And they said to me that night, we have watched how this community has changed rapidly through the years and and we have we have seen how more and more people keep moving into this area and it's changing the landscape of our community and we know that more and more people are coming here that don't know Jesus Christ and we feel very strongly that God has called this church to be that church that reaches all of these people moving in this area with the good news of Jesus Christ and to make a huge difference in this area And I was like, wow, I could be down with something like that. I hope you guys realize that that's becoming more and more unique among church leaders these days, to really care about reaching lost people. And that night, the more we talked, they shared with me about some of their own ideas and what they'd already been talking about. And that, that night, they shared with me that, you know, we've already started a conversation within our church family of maybe changing the name of our church. Back then, it used to be called Bella Vista Christian Church. And they felt like, you know, a name that more reflected our purpose and what we were supposed to do might be in order for our church as we branch out to really take a step forward and reach our community. They also talked to me about, you know, there's, there's this idea about, you know, updating our building. We feel like if we're going to connect with these new people coming into our community, we need to have a building that shouts that we're living in today's era. And although our building was well kept, it was a little outdated, and we needed to update our technology. So they began to talk to me about these things, and I began to think, these guys are really serious about wanting to reach their community. That night we had a great discussion about what could be done to advance the gospel in Bella Vista, to make more disciples. And I can tell you that God has blessed our church family immensely. And if you have been a part of our church for a lot of years, I think it'd be hard to deny that God's hand of blessing has been on our congregation We have seen a steady stream of people choosing to follow Christ. I showed you a couple pictures. I've got tons of those pictures of people following Jesus. We have a dream here at the church, and I've been open with you about this. We dream that one day there's going to come a season where every single week when we gather to worship, that middle screen goes up and our baptistry is, is lit up and the cameras come on and people are giving their life for Jesus. We don't think we're that far away from realizing that potential. Every single week, somebody following Jesus and giving their life to Christ. Our church family has a 45-year history a very rich history of disciple making in Bella Vista and I can only speak firsthand of the last four and a half years but I can tell you that in the last four and a half years we've seen our church grow from about 350 on an average weekly attendance four years ago to now on an average week we will see 800 to 850 people worship with us um, We've even seen a few times where our attendance has grown up over a thousand. Most recently, um, on our Christmas weekend, uh, those five services that we had, we had over 1,250 people show up for um, worship here that weekend. I can tell you right now that the staff and I are already making preparations. We're going to add a fifth service for Easter, and we're making preparations for about 1,500 people to be joining us that weekend. I don't know if we'll have that many, but something in my gut tells me we will. We do believe that God is blessing our church in many ways, one of which is growth. But our why is not just to fill seats. That is not our why. That can never be our why. That is not our motivation. Our why is to make disciples. And I believe that is a why that is shared among the majority of our church family, unless I'm just completely misreading you. For the record, we love the growth. We even love the challenges that come with the growth. How do you, I mean, you know there's challenges that come with growth. Why don't you turn to your neighbor because they don't look convinced and just let them know. Did you know there's challenges that come with church growth like we're seeing? And I do want to say this to all of you and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I thank you and I, on behalf of the elders, we thank you for the sweet spirit that exists in this church family. There's a sweet spirit, absolutely. I see it myself. I talk to a lot of people that come here for the first time, and they say there's, there's a good, sweet vibe in this church, a welcoming vibe. I want to thank you for the sweet spirit. I want to thank you for the sweet spirit that seems to embrace the challenges that growth brings. And you seem to do it for the most part with grace and patience, and I thank you for that. Um, you know what I hear said a lot, and you don't know how much it blesses my heart to hear this, but I hear things like this a lot. I love it when people say things like, wow, look what God is doing. Isn't that phenomenal? Isn't that great what God is doing? Or Or when I hear somebody say, hey, my neighbors are here. I invited my neighbors and they came. Or when somebody says, Pastor, my kids, for the first time in years, are actually interested in coming to church again. Or I invited a co-worker, will you please pray for them? I invited them, we've been talking for a long time, but I finally got the courage to invite them, and I think they're going to come, would you pray? Or when somebody says, hey, God is really working in my life, or in my family. Or, hey, God is helping me beat an addiction, and I'm winning for the first time in my life, and I'm a Christian now, and it's working. Or the Lord has brought me back to life again. And I hear this all the time. I've just about given up on finding a church. And then I found new life. I tell you, you don't know what that does to me to hear you say stuff like that. And I know it takes a special kind of church to create an environment where that can really exist. Where the spirit of God can flow that way. Well, there's a lot of excitement about what God is doing here. But as I mentioned, growth brings challenges. And just in the last two and a half years, we've had to add two more worship services. We've had to go from two services to four services. And one of those services is on a Saturday night, which, duh, we're here, right? And, and we're here, at Saturday night. And, and we love it, absolutely. This service right here, you may not know, But when we started this about a year and a half ago, we had about 70 people who started that with us. And now, a year and a half later, not quite a year and a half, this service regularly sees 160, 170, sometimes we crept up there to 200, and and it just, God keeps bringing the growth, and it is phenomenal. Some of you might be here because you got tired of looking for a parking spot on Sunday morning. (laughs) You know, anybody here because you got tired of looking for parking? Our parking has been quite, quite, I'll be honest, a nightmare at times. A nightmare. Um, and these are great problems to have. Would you agree? Where are we going to park everybody? We, I tell you, I appreciate those of you, it doesn't really affect you here on Saturday night, but those who come on Sunday morning and they choose to use our off-site shuttle parking, we had to buy a shuttle van um, last year that seats 15 people, and every Sunday morning we are shuttling people back across the street to Reardon Hall, and I appreciate those who, who are committed to doing that. It takes a little bit of extra effort, but I believe that those who do it have the right mentality. They're like, hey, I'm committed to this church family, Whether it takes me an extra 90 seconds to get up here or not, or i got to ride a shuttle, that's okay because I'm creating room for people who aren't committed yet to Jesus, who aren't committed to our church family. If you trade shoes, trade places with somebody who, let's say your story is not the committed Christian one, but it's this, hey, I got invited to church and I wasn't really sure I wanted to come, but I came anyway, and I pulled up on the church parking lot and I can't find a parking spot. What's that do for you? Or maybe you're experiencing a crisis. Anybody in here come to know Jesus because you experienced a crisis and it drove you to the church, which drove you to Christ? Maybe somebody experienced crisis and they pull into our parking lot there's not a place in the world to park. Or, or maybe it's just somebody's like, I've got questions about faith. I'm not super motivated. I'm not committed to Jesus, I got questions about faith. I wanna know what this is all about, but I can't find a parking place. We see it all the time. People pull in, they do the loop. They don't give you a second try. They pull right out, and I hear all the time, well, we had a couple cars pull in and leave. And it's just like, ah. I thank those of you who have in the past, or if you still alternate between services, use the shuttle. It means a lot. You wouldn't think about it this way, but I'll tell you, it is actually an evangelistic endeavor to give up your parking spot for somebody else. So I thank you for doing that. I tell you, we don't mind the extra effort. Why? Because our goal is what? making disciples and being a part of a healthy church culture that makes reaching more and more people for Jesus that much easier. That's the why. We are Christ ambassadors. We are charged with the ministry of reconciliation. And if we ever become motivated by anything other than making disciples and building a healthy church and being all that we can be for the Lord, if we're ever motivated by anything other than that, I'll tell you, I believe that God will remove his blessing from our church family. Our why is to make disciples. I've been asked many times, and I know the rest of the staff has, I know our elders have, But I've been asked, so what's our next move? Have you wondered that? What's our next move? Obviously, there comes a point where the physical limitations of this place become too great to overcome, and the natural result of when that happens, if a church can't figure out a way to navigate some of their building um, uh, limitations, then they peak, and then they trickle off, and they, they shrink to a manageable number. It's just human nature. It's that same idea that your fish will never outgrow its aquarium. And the same thing exists in church world as well. So what do we do about this? We're already at four services. We can't park all the cars we got now. And uh, we see it in other parts of our building, uh, the, the stresses on our building with, as more and more people come. And we don't want that to ever slow down. So what do we do about that? Well, that's a great question. And that question moves us a little bit closer to the exciting news that I want to share with you today. We know our why. It's to make disciples, the ministry of reconciliation. So what are we going to do about it? And I would say, what are we going to continue to do about it? Because we are doing a lot of things about it. Well, if you feel like I do, you desire for New Life Christian Church to continue to be that bright beacon for Jesus in our community. And I do believe that that is, a, that is a burden that the Lord has given to us in this community. It's a good burden. I can tell you this that from the time that we finished the remodel of this facility until now, that would be June of 2016 until the present, the leadership of this church has been in an ongoing conversation about the future. And we could see, like you can, the rapid pace that we are growing, and we ask that question. We ask it on a regular basis. What's our next move? And so we started praying very diligently about this. We began to explore how other churches have navigated similar hurdles, and we continue to watch our community closely. It's something we do even now. And we looked around. And we ask the hard question, what can we do right here to alleviate some of this and make it easier for growth to happen? We begin to ask those questions. So we begin to explore some things. You may not know this, but we really have about two and a half acres here. We do own a little bit of the ravine that goes back behind the church. I don't know if you've ever uh, ventured back there or if you've ever almost missed your parking spot and gone into the hill. (laughs) But there's a ravine back there. And if you go down it, You're going to need help coming back out of it, all right? I've been down there many times chasing basketballs from youth group night, okay? So if you go down that ravine... We explored, what could we do with that ravine? Is there any viable land back there that we could do? And after we explored this, we had contractors come out, we consulted with people. Really, the bottom line is, it's kind of worthless ground back there. There's not a lot you can do. For the amount of money that it would take to do anything with it, and what you would gain once you got it done, it's just not worth it. It'd be like the most expensive ground in Bella Vista, all right? We explored after that what it would take to put a parking garage in our parking lot. We thought, well, if we can't expand out, can we go up? And we actually explored that in depth. You know what we learned? By the time you got it built, we'd be so much into it financially, it wouldn't be worth it. You could do it, but it would never be what we want it to be. And you'd never get out of it what, it, what we dreamed it could be. And we'd be so far financially into it. It's just not worth it. It's not worth it. We began to explore what it would take to purchase the six houses to our east. You know that little cul-de-sac over there? I don't know if anybody lives in those six houses, but we did have conversations at one time of buying you out. And we... we <laughs> I'm serious. We, we explored what it would take to buy the six houses to the east of our church in that cul-de-sac. And we began to explore with our leadership of our community what it would take to do that. And I'm just going to tell you that by the time if... By miracle, we could actually pull that off. And if by miracle we had fair market value prices, you know how much money we'd be into that and we wouldn't gain hardly anything. The amount of ground, that too would become the most expensive ground in Bella Vista. And after we began to explore those three big pursuits and then a few others, we just came to the conclusion that that we are maxed out here. That it doesn't make any sense financially to build anything else here, to do anything else here. What this building is, is what it's always going to be. So we made a decision, this is probably about two years ago, that we drew a line in the sand and said we're not going to explore anything else with this building anymore. And so over the last two years, it seemed like God was starting to guide our conversation towards new life becoming a multi-site church. And that at some point in the future, we would strategically start a second campus somewhere in Bella Vista, somewhere that is growing and has the potential to grow for many, many years. And the more we prayed on that and the more we reasoned that out, the more and more it made sense in our current circumstances. One church operating in two locations. Obviously, one of those locations would be this building. And I don't know what you thought I was going to announce today, and I'm not even to the news yet, FYI. But, but, but uh, this church, has this location has served this community and our church family for decades, and it will for decades to come. This is going to be a place that God is going to continue to use. So obviously, one of those campuses is this one. And then there would be a second one somewhere else. So we'd be making disciples at two location points in our community, and that would give us the needed space to continue to grow to make an even more significant impact for Jesus in our community. So we have been praying on that idea for several years now. And then after we became a debt-free church, in case you didn't know, this church is completely paid for. We're debt-free. That happened a little over a year ago. After we became debt-free, it seemed as though the vision of becoming a multi-site church was becoming even clearer. Many churches are utilizing this multi-site strategy. There are thousands of churches that are doing this now. So there are a lot of examples to learn from. There are a lot of resources about it. But I can tell you, there are some really great advantages to having one church meeting in multiple locations. First, it gives us unlimited future growth. We are not stifled by growth limitations or building limitations any longer. It's gonna give new life a farther reach than we've ever had into our community by spreading ourselves out. It's gonna give new life a larger platform to share the good news from than we have ever had. It's gonna create more opportunities for people to volunteer and for the birth of new ministries and to expand into areas and the ministries we're only dreaming about right now. So we know what our why is, and that's to make disciples. And we know now what our what is, and that is to become a multi-site church. Now we come to the how. How will this vision become a reality? And that question moves us even a little closer to the exciting news I want to share with you. And I know some of you are like, just get on with it. My wife said to me earlier today, she said, don't drag it out, just tell them, just tell them, I'm getting to it. Once we got locked into that direction, we started to pray specifically, asking God to show us what to do. And I can tell you specifically, over the last year, we have been on this really incredible, interesting journey of exploration, We simply started to follow different leads that God was bringing uh, out in front of us. I can't even tell you how many drives I have made around Bella Vista with different elders of this church looking at stuff. My wife is tired of it, I can tell you, because we'd be on our way somewhere. and I'm like, hey, let's leave 10 minutes early because I want to go look at something on our way. And she's like, not again. It's been a year of that. We would hear of a location or a possible place where we might look at for this second church and we would explore it we would pray on it we want to know if the lord was making this door open for us or not i can tell you that over the past year we have engaged in conversations with three other congregations in bella vista one of those churches um, reached out for us and inquired if we would like to buy some land that they had two other churches that um, we corresponded with they um, are about to close their doors for good. Their membership has shrunk to the point where they're no longer viable and, and they can't sustain. And they're left with a question of, is it time to call it quits as a church? And what do we do with our building? So there were conversations about perhaps maybe, um, maybe we could take over one of their buildings and launch our second campus that way. And they, we could continue the ministry that they dreamt of years before and weren't able to sustain. I can tell you that ultimately none of those talks produced any action at all. The one church with a land for sale just was not in a location that was going to benefit the vision that we had for our church family. The other two churches, after a lot of prayer and consideration, they decided that they weren't quite as ready to give up as they thought they were, and they decided to make another run at it, which, of course, I want you to know, as far as we're concerned, that is awesome. That is awesome. I wish every church in Bella Vista would come alive for Jesus. You know, the work's going to take all of us, not just one church's job. It would be great if we could find something like that, though. But it seemed like over time, those doors were shutting. We even had a conversation with a landowner. That was a prolonged conversation about maybe um, purchasing that land, and then um, that conversation was cut off on their end. So we know what our why is, and we know what our what is. But waiting on God to open that door of how, do this and then several months ago we received a phone call about a piece of property that was not on the market at the moment but might potentially be soon and the owners were open to selling this piece of property and we would have the opportunity to acquire it before it ever was made available and this is a piece of ground that if it was made available it would be purchased um, a couple of our elders went to check it out and they got a real sense that maybe this is where God is leading our church. And I got a phone call that very day, and like, Joe, get in your car and get out here. And we want to show you something. I saw it as well. Eventually, all of our elders checked it out. And I remember we all stood out there and we formed a prayer circle and we prayed over that piece of land. And we asked God, if this is something you're doing, would you do it? And if it's not, would you not? It's a prayer we've gotten used to praying lately. One of the incredible things that's been happening here in our church family is something that you you may not even be aware of. and You probably aren't. Um, But since we became a debt-free church in November of 2017, there have been a number of people in our church family that just decided to continue to give towards future expansion projects, not even knowing what it is. And they wanted to give to something, even though there wasn't something to give to. So we created, um, know, hold on on pins and needles for the exciting name this is, a building fund. And um, <laughs> so we started a building fund, and we never told anybody about it. And, but there were people who gave towards it, knowing that one day something would have to happen, even though at the time we didn't know what that something was exactly on top of that regular giving that comes in every month from people, we've had several families who on their own, they were not solicited or they just on their own at different times have approached the leadership and said, hey, we want to give towards something in the future. And they gave those gifts and we put that in the building fund as well. So when this piece of land came open, we felt like Because some money had already come in, we were in a real position to have a real conversation about acquiring this property. And then long story short, I can tell you that after praying over it, getting a real sense of peace, the leadership of our church made the decision to put an offer on this piece of land. And after a little bit of back and forth negotiation with the the owners, we settled on a price and we got a signed contract on, on a piece of ground that potentially could be very special one day. For our church family and here's the really really good news i want to tell you about and i guess this is what you probably already figured out if i did my job right that as of 12 days ago new life christian church closed on that piece of land and we are the proud owners of 15 acres of wonderful ground that i can't wait to show you where it's at so yeah that's a great thing If you look up at the screen, I'll show you. See if my computer here is still working. I think I turned it off, guys. That's okay. Let me show you something. Um, If you look up, this is a map of Bella Vista. Do you all recognize where we live? Okay. If you look at this blue dot right here, that blue dot is our church right now. That's where you are sitting right now. Are you familiar with the bypass? The blue dot, see I, they hooked me up with this great app on the lap. I was going to circle all this stuff, that blue dot, okay, that's our current church right now and this is where we've been for many decades. Um, have you been following the news with the bypass? Did you see the article in the paper the day before yesterday that it's going to be finished in summer of 2022? So we're about three years away we feel like a lot of the growth of our community is going west and when the bypass is finished there's going to be scores of people moving into this area and they're going to start bridging these communities so what i want you to do is i want you to follow this yellow line here this is highway 49 and then as you come here you see 549 and it goes this is the bypass and i want you to follow it all the way thank you for whoever's got the red dot all the way to there If you go to the next slide, I'm just gonna show you a satellite image of it. This is the same map, just with the satellite. You can see the, the bypass. Do you see where it stops? Okay, do you see where the last exit is? This is as far as you can go on the bypass today. If you can go to the next slide. This ground right here, this at the end of the bypass, do you see this little circled part here? That's ours. That's our ground. Now, did you notice, yeah, you can clap for that. If you'll notice, it's right off the bad bypass. In church world, this is primo visibility. This is primo accessibility. This is like every church's dream piece of property, and it's ours. And it's right there. And one day, this bypass is going to go through. If you guys want to click, we took some drone footage for you to see. You can see what this looks like. This is the ground right here. And you see, this is where the bypass exits, and all this wooded area That's our land. That's where one day we pray and hope that God's gonna put the second New Life Christian Church campus out here on this property with 15 acres. That's gonna give us all kinds of potential to do all kinds of different things. Some of you right now who live west of the Highlands Gate may actually even be thinking, well, when that church gets built one day, that's where we're gonna go because it's gonna be easier and quicker for me to get to. So here it is, and then here's another Where the drone just kind of goes this way and you're going to see this is the highway coming through and this is the existing overpass and then it stops. But here in the next couple years, they're going to go this way all the way up to Pineville and it's going to finish off the bypass. And I think many of you have been following that news and you hopefully can understand the potential that exists with a piece of ground like this. And so this is really exciting news, and I hope that you find this as exciting. I I can tell you that we know what our why is, and that's to make disciples, the ministry of reconciliation. We believe we know what our what is to become a multi-site church. We now know that God has shown us the how by purchasing this 15 acres of ground for expansion. Now, financially, let me tell you how this all played out. We purchased that piece of ground for $350,000. But because people were giving regularly since we became debt free, because families in our church believed that the church needs to go forward and they wanted to give, we already had $247,000. Okay? So that leaves us today just a little over $100,000 to finish this off. And because we felt like the Lord was leading us so clearly and already providing for us so significantly, we went ahead and decided to finance the difference um, to get the deal done. Because if you've ever had to deal with land, usually timing is key. And we needed to get that deal done. And we did that while at the same time believing. That the entire New Life family, once they learn of this vision and direction that the Lord is leading us in, would also, too, want to be generous like the other families as well. On behalf of the leadership here, I want to tell you something. Um, Probably something that you're wondering about. I want to be very clear on something, so please hear me. We have no plans, no desire to carry this debt for very long. In fact, we're not expecting to carry this debt for more than a couple months And then it will be gone. And one day, and we don't know when that day is, but one day when the Lord opens up the opportunity for us to break ground and to put New Life Christian Church second campus on this ground, we have no plans to carry a bunch of debt or to stick this church into years and years of financial hardship to do that either. We believe that God will provide what we need, just like he has done for decades. So we know our why, we know our what, we know our how, and I want to humbly ask you to consider something. On behalf of the leadership, we're asking those of you who call New Life your home, we'd like for you to go home today and for the next seven days, we'd like for you to pray with your families and pray with them and talk it over and talk it over with God about what you could give in the form of a love offering towards this land ultimately towards the future of our church family. There's several ways you can do that. Some of you may say, I'd love to give a one-time gift. Others of you uh, may do exactly what my wife and I are gonna do. We prayed about this and thought about this and we determined what we could give. And we're gonna give that monthly between now and the end of the year. So some of you may choose to go that route as well. Um, So next weekend when we gather together for worship and we're back in the Gospel of John again, Um, you're going to have an opportunity to make that love gift, that love offering. And you're going to get a commitment card, those of you that would would like to say, I can give monthly towards this. And, you know, there's not going to be names on these commitment cards. This is not a massive campaign. We're just coming to you as a church about a love offering and about what the Lord might inspire you and lead you to give. And what the Lord does in your heart for that is between you and the Lord. But we are asking for you to please pray about it and follow the Lord's leading on it. Now, I hope that this excites you about our future. You know, our church is 45 years old, as I've mentioned. And 45 years ago, there was a small group of people who were meeting across the church, and they had this dream that there could be a great Christian church in Bella Vista one day. And they stepped out on faith, and 45 years later, here we are. And only in heaven... Will any of us truly become aware of the kind of impact for Jesus Christ that that step of faith has had in this community and in the lives of so many people? But just like 45 years ago, we are standing today on the edge of another great step of faith. And I wonder, 45 years from now, if the Lord takes his time in returning, 45 years from now, what will the people at New Life Christian Church say about us? What will they say when we're in heaven and we meet people who are there because of the decisions that we make today? You know, C.S. Lewis once said, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Friends, this is of utmost importance, to make disciples. And I want to encourage you as a church family, Let's go all in and let's change the landscape of our community for Jesus Christ. Would you join me in prayer? The Gracious Heavenly Father, I just pray God that as you have led us as the leadership up to this point, that you would continue to lead our church family in the path you'd want us to go. And Lord, we just say together, thank you. For this opportunity, Lord, may your will be fully seen and realized. And Lord, we pray that more and more and more people come to know you as their Savior. That Lord, they would be reconciled to you through faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, our prayer and what it has been for many years is that you would use the New Life family to be a beacon of hope. In the name of Jesus to this community, that as we raise your name up, Lord, you will draw all people unto you. That, Lord, you'll use this place, this congregation, to change our community on every level. Socially, economically, politically, as people turn their eyes to you. Lord, most importantly, change our community morally. That, Lord, we'd be humbled before you. Lord, this is our prayer. And we thank you in advance for your provisions. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.